stop using the T word. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number three of the Musician Toolkit. I'm your host, David Lane, and it is great to be back with you once again. As always, this episode is sponsored by Fonz. Fonz is simply an app, a website that will help you if you are a music teacher, if you are a yoga instructor, if you are a martial arts instructor, a personal trainer, any kind of business that involves you scheduling with a client one-on-one or in small groups, receiving payments, uh, again, keeping up with their schedule, having to do with rescheduling. It just makes all of it so much easier. And uh, you can get a free trial and find out more about it using the link in my show notes. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, which, by the way, if you'd like to check that out, you just uh, my handle is David Lane Music One, David Lane Music One. And if you're following on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and uh, click like on this video. It just helps us get discovered there. And if you're listening on a podcast app. We would really appreciate it if you would be so willing to leave us a five-star rating and review. And of course, no matter where you're listening to this episode, if you just please share that to your friends on social media um, as an attachment or as a a link in an email, um, every little bit helps. It would be so great if we could just double our audience with each episode. Build this up. Uh, this, This podcast is for any aspiring musician or any working musician who knows that they can get better, that knows that they have room to grow. And uh, I'm working on, uh, should be interviewing a guest, a couple of guests soon. Uh, I don't know if I'll, if I'll have that ready for episode four, if it'll be episode five, but sometime in the next two episodes, we're going to have our first guest on the podcast. It's going to be a really exciting topic. And If you're new to this podcast, I like to talk about the 20 tools of musician. And if you go back to listen to episode one, uh, you can hear all of those tools. And I, and I like to work them in. And and sometimes we talk about a tool. Sometimes we're going to talk about jobs you can do in music and what are the tools you need to prioritize on to do, to do that job very well. You know, some of those tools include sight reading, uh, last week, I talked about um, practicing music, so it was all about a specific practice tip. But sometimes I'm going to come to you with episodes like this, which uh, I think has a lot to do with being a musician and with interacting with musicians. And today, I want to talk to you about kind of some language and maybe even a mindset that we have when it comes to just praising other musicians or encouraging other musicians. There's a word that I've heard all my life, probably since a time I don't remember when maybe I supposedly figured out how to play the melody of a hymn using one finger on the piano when I was three years old. It's always been used as one of the first adjectives that people use when they meet me, especially after I've played at a concert or, you know, played my instrument, presented myself as a composer. 
And even now, it's, it's the first thing many people think to use when offering me a compliment. If you're a musician with any level of success, you've probably heard it. If you're a student making progress, you've probably heard it. If you're not a musician but you know one, you've probably used it. You almost certainly meant it as a compliment, and your intentions are always appreciated. You admire what a musician, or an athlete, or an artist, or an author, or a dancer, or other performer, you, you admire what they have just done. And you want to extol your praise, and the first thing that comes out is a certain word, a certain adjective. I'd like to convince you, if I can, that this word needs to be one that we drop. If not completely, at least move further down your list of choices when talking to a musician or another artist or talking about that musician or an artist. And you probably guessed that word is talented. Your granddaughter does a great job on her recital and you tell her, you're so talented. You play well in a performance and you hear the same thing. It's a default for many people, almost like looking at a sunset and saying beautiful, or tasting a homemade cake and saying delicious. However, the, the sunset can't reply with gratitude, and neither can the cake. Although the baker of the cake might offer thanks for your reply because almost certainly they were hoping that it would be delicious. However, the word talented has two big problems. And the first one is that it praises natural ability while demeaning the effort. When you praise someone's performance by calling them talented, you are doing at least one or more of the following things. You are first and foremost complimenting their natural ability. You are ignoring the effort that they spent in preparing for the performance or and and or you are placing a higher value on things coming easy rather than triumph through hard work and i want to say that last one again because i think this is this is a powerful reason at least for me why i have for many years not cared for the word talented either directed towards me or anyone else when you use the word talented as your first choice, it's highly likely that you are placing a higher value on things that come easy rather than the triumph that comes through hard work. So let's ask a question here. What is talent anyway, and what is it actually good for? Talent isn't exactly bad, but let's, let's talk about what it is. Talent is some combination of physical or mental attributes that allow a skill to seem easy. And for some things, it really does matter. After watching my first Arnold Schwarzenegger movie when I was 13, I believe it was Predator, was my first one, and then I found Terminator and Conan after that. Um, I was 13 and I was convinced that I could work my way to looking like him. 
by the time I was 15, two years later, with a prematurely injured back, I had already realized that I did not have the body type to have muscles respond to that certain type of training. I would also love to run faster than a six-minute mile, but I don't have either the leg length or twitchy muscles that that requires. And I've also wanted to be able to truly slam dunk a basketball, but no amount of effort ever got me taller than five foot eight. Okay, bring this back to music. <laughs> Finally, I would love to be able to play all the chords as written from composers like Rachmaninoff and Prokofiev, but my hand size will never be larger than what it is. So I'm one of many pianists today that needs creative solutions. But what would have happened if Schwarzenegger lifted weights for a year or two and then gave it up? Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team one year and didn't get a starting job the next. What if he said it wasn't worth it and gave up? What if the four-minute mile runner would rather just swim and doesn't actually like running? So there's another reason that I had no chance to ever look like Arnold. Actually, a whole bunch of them. One, for two years, I was disciplined to work out four to six days a week, probably 30 minutes a day. Well, Arnold was always doing probably six workouts a week for a couple of hours per day at around the same time. Secondly, I gave up after two years, and it was after my first setback of any kind. He didn't. Third, I practiced on my own and occasionally used my dad as a spotter. Arnold was surrounded by mentors, surrounded by coaches, people who knew what they were doing and imparted their, their guidance and their critique. Number four, my financial investment was weight sets found at a thrift store. Arnold's financial investment gave him what's known as skin in the game. And five, finally, and it does have to be said, I was never willing to partake of the mm, performance-enhancing nutrition that Arnold has verified that he has used. Michael Jordan is well-documented for just how hard and long he practiced. And Kobe Bryant would do the Lakers team practice and then stay and shoot nothing but free throws until he had successfully made, not attempted, made 1,000 for the day. They are all talented by the definition of the word, but how many of you are willing to practice hard for three hours and then take the time and patience to sink 1,000 free throws multiple days per week for nearly two decades. When I play a Chopin piece well and someone tells me how talented I am, I wish I could let them hear what it sounded like when I could only play it at one-sixth the tempo while trying to figure out the fingerings.
I wish I could show them my moments of having to to shush my lingering doubts. And I wish the relatives of students could understand the value of practice. I could never be like Mike or like Arnold. But even with the immeasurable lack of talent I had for basketball or bodybuilding, I could have gotten a mentor or two committed to daily work for multiple years, and I'm confident that I would be very good at either one, albeit on a less-than-world-class level. Before we're done, I'm going to say one more thing about what talent is actually good for. Um, but first, let's talk about the other reason that, that, that using that term for praise is bad. And that is, those who embrace being talented are being set up to fail. Anybody who is genuinely talented at what they do will find it easy in the beginning. But what happens in the following situations? When they, get to, when they finally get to a piece or skill that doesn't come easy, when they encounter other musicians or people of their skill who have progressed further. Because I was so talented for years, I didn't understand why I had to practice. I hated practice until my last couple of years of college, and I never genuinely loved it until I began to teach. I started taking lessons just before I turned six, but, I've, but I find myself teaching 11-year-olds who practice the same level of music I was learning when I was 16. And as a child, as a child or an adolescent, I just hated adversity. I hated the struggle of learning something hard. It was a lovely hit of dopamine to have someone call me talented with genuine enthusiasm because I could rest on that no matter what. I wasn't preparing myself to be a good pianist on a much fast, faster timetable because I was resting on some adjective. My story is actually good because I did learn to practice and value having a challenge. But what about the student who is always told how talented they are, who finally reaches a level when things get challenging and quits lessons within a year. I've seen it happen many times as a teacher. So what is talent actually good for? Talent gives you a head start. It just means that you're not struggling to get the basic concepts and may pick up some things on your own that others require being shown how to do. But nearly everyone hits a wall at some point. At that point, talent is no longer something that is a virtue. If a person with talent starts learning their skill at a young age, develops a fondness for challenges, commits to practice every day and doesn't quit for at least 10 years, they will probably become elite. A talented person who skips days of practicing and doesn't embrace the challenge will soon find themselves way behind the ordinary students who simply had determination and commitment. So is this a word that we can commit to, if not dropping, and, I, and I, I, maybe we shouldn't drop it because 
talented is something that is helpful, as I mentioned. But let's, I want to challenge everybody, next time you talk to a musician and you want to offer them a compliment, praise their effort, not their skill. Yes, it's, if, if you're not a musician, especially of that instrument, and you hear virtuosity, you hear something impressive, just keep in mind that you might be hearing 10 years of work that's cumulative to get to that level. So let's stop using that T word. I just also wanted to offer a suggestion of how you can compliment another musician if you want to not really talk about the effort, but you want to talk about the quality of the performance. Like if they've done really, you think it's an amazing job. All you need to say is, congratulations, that was an amazing performance. Or what, you did such a wonderful job with this piece. Or that was just wonderful playing, wonderful singing. You can praise the performance without putting some kind of a label on them that maybe implies they didn't try very hard to get to that point. That's all, all we're saying. So yes, you can praise the performance. You can also praise the effort. You worked hard. Wow. You, re you really did a great job in, in preparing this and your hard work has certainly paid off. Either of those are good. Much better than you're so talented. So thank you for kind of helping lead this change to how we think about what's a compliment and what's not. And that is it for the Musician Toolkit Episode 3. I will be back with you next Monday with Episode 4. And just a reminder of where you can find us on social media. If you're on TikTok or Instagram, you want to go to at David Lane Music. If you're on Facebook, it's David M. Lane Music. And if you, again, if you're on YouTube, it's also on David Lane Music 1. And you can watch most of the podcasts, thus far all of the podcasts, episodes there if you just want to see me uh, talking. Uh, and sometimes I'll, I'll have some visual things like episode two, I was at the piano. You can actually see uh, the example that I was giving there instead of just listening to it. But regardless of whether or not you prefer this in podcast form or whether you can, whether you prefer it on YouTube or just the, the occasional bits you get on uh, social media, thank you so much for supporting the Musician Toolkit. And we will be back the same time next week.